0: opinions from the common man, but then try to in it reconcile it back to the gospel and what's a gospel way to get it. So we we, we try to be really op- um fine with letting tensions and people say the wrong thing be like, you know, mostly like, Oh, Christian, you can't say that. Well like, no, say it if it's what you're thinking it and then by the end of this let's work to see how would the God how would God have us to approach it. Like you know, so because so many people are on the wrong thing, but how can we take them on a journey? Like last night I was watching this this guy's thread last night, and he was just talking about the church. And he had said something about, you know, how do we get here where people are so unchurched now that they're like professing Christians but don't trust the church? And people started going in. And it was grieving me to hear what they were saying. But then this one guy comes on, and he's kind of he, – he's he's defending the church and what's healthy and what's right. But he also didn't hear nothing the guys the people were saying. And the other pastor who originally posted he said, Hey, just listen to what we as pastors need to hear what these people are saying, just endure and I was like, Man, it's true. People need to say the ugly things and, and we need to hear it so we can walk into the right thing. But he just went straight to No, this is what this is what the Bible said and it does but I'm like, that still does not take away the fact that they feel betrayed, let down. And let's grab let's hear them and grab a hold of it. So even then this conversation, the tension that's around it, it's kinda like, how do we put that out there on the table? Because people what I like about it is that listeners they get mad 'cause they all they automatically have an opinion on it. They're like, you know, I'm a missionary, you know, or yeah, I'm over in the urban con and everybody feels their thing is right, but how do we what is how how would Christ look at it? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And how do our hearts play into it? So sometimes on the air it's it's about self discovery as we're talking. And and uh, right. and and it working out like that, so mm-hmm. you know we're kind of masters of not having complete order.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so I remember last time I read the and <laughs> Yeah, and then
1: something
2: about the, yeah, you said something about the wives kind of out. yeah.
3: the back
4: uh, in the kitchen right there.
2: I think, um, you know, as I was thinking about one part of it is missions are glamorous going overseas um, and often you really have to ask yourself because you realize that there's nothing about getting on a plane that's going to change me. The same selfish, prideful, judgmental person that got on the plane is going to get off that plane mm-hmm. 8 or 12 hours later. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of short-term mission trips are more like tourism
4: oh yeah that's 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 the point that i want to hit big time because like i think there's a really clear distinction between long-term missions and short-term missions in america and outside america like yeah it's just there needs to be needs to be some stuff that I, I got some statistics
0: already do you yeah okay but even
2: you know
4: Of the 1040 Yeah, right. It's, I was telling them a little bit about that yesterday. Like I was looking at India, and in India, they're about to be the biggest country population-wise, and Christianity is the third biggest religion in the country, which is great. But there's <laughs> 1.3 billion people, and there's 23 million Christians. Yeah. I was That's like,
3: that, came, that kind of like changed over my head,
1: but we got to see it. even the yeah. believers weren't yeah. allowed to meet yeah, no, we can't mention Morocco yeah we yeah, can't but
3: just that's, we were talking about, okay. that, that that just for me is like wow so you can't mention Morocco because why it's creative access. they don't allow oh so y'all kind of went under there like on
1: some
0: marine corps <laughs> yeah we kind of got kicked out too that's <laughs> crazy can, can, can y'all speak about it, like not mentioning what it is, we'll but like even, conference. Conference. Yeah, 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 okay.
3: Morocco is a North African. Over here
0: are some real 007
1: missionaries. Yo, yeah, when you get
3: like, missions so in Muslim Small countries or even like
1: communist countries, it just seems like it's a whole different ballgame. That like really experience,
3: like, how was like? I don't know how y'all do I Feel
1: like you're in one of these espionage movies. Like, I'm serious, really, man. You set up to meet somebody at a restaurant. And he gets set out first, and then he. I'm
2: walking
4: through like uh, oh how you doing sit down you know and, like just meeting for the first time but it's about to come we in just
3: so talk goes, about like being like minded or yeah. isn't the yeah there's certain like verbiage that you can yeah this right? is like, crazy yeah. that is crazy yeah. alright y'all ready to rock that's roll. I saw already I saw recording tape. tape is already
0: recording I'm rolling hey, hey listen so do we have a song no we don't Phil think of a song
3: I already played my song from last week. Um, I I can think of another one. Um, Did
0: you play a song last week? No song, right?
3: Yeah, we played um, Aaron Venturas.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have
3: a song about, like,
0: Africa? The motherland?
3: No. (laughs) No? He will in two weeks. (laughs) Uh, um, I I mean, I got a, I just don't know. Should we play
4: the song um, from First Aid? In the '80s, <laughs> you know the way they tried to help Africa when all those popular people did it. Band Aid. Oh, we Band-Aid. are.
0: Oh, hold on. Was is not We Are the World?
4: No, that
2: was one of them. That was one of them,
4: but there was other ones too. But it was like Michael Jackson, all those people.
3: Michael Jackson was We Are the World. That was him and Lionel Richard.
0: We, we should do. Uh, I come hey. from a land down under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, run. That's my song right there. I don't man. even know what okay. that is. That's Sting, isn't it? Isn't there's that sting? A, there's no, Waka it's, um, Waka
2: by Shakira,
0: the Sting is the group that he was in.
3: Shakira made a song for... Waka Waka. Duran
0: Duran. No, no, it's not Durant Duran Duran. Sure? It's Sting. It's Stings, Sting's in that group. Um, I, I gotta look
3: that
0: up. Oh, well, y'all, yeah,
3: come y'all come up with the song. I, I, don't, I
1: don't have
0: All right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we always...
1: really uh, serious whatever was so the cuz it was so dirty dirt, the dust in the air and just what he saw i think it's a win not
0: even can't even and believe it
1: it's like they, they he they ordered a limousine for him and he had ordered his own limousine cuz he was so uh, i guess germophobic or whatever he just getting so he got his the, the officials were there waiting for him and he caught kind of about plane got the little limousine <laughs> right by you just rolled
0: right past him, him.
2: Never
3: thought they called him Wacko Jacko. Oh, my gosh. I, le- I've, 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 I learned a lot of stuff
1: about Wacko Wacko. It's time for Africa. wedding
3: Wow. So Drew
2: was <laughs> it? It's
0: by Minute thing. Work. Yeah, it's Minute thing. Work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, so Sting's group. Sting was in it.
3: I thought Sting was the policeman. I kind of feel was like we should
0: play We Are the World.
4: That's just typical, like, I don't know. There's a newer song by Band-Aid that was done in 2004. Do they know it's Christmas? Oh. <laughs> Do they know it's Christmas No, they time? don't
2: celebrate Christmas. They don't. <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway. All right, we'll figure it out. Hey, that's a good song right there. I like that song. Let's do that one.
2: Drew Gerke suggested it. we need songs for the wedding.
3: Waka Waka. Waka Waka. It's is. time for Africa. Shakira, 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 Shakira. Waka Waka. I pull it up right here on my phone. Yeah.
0: All right, we can do it, man. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking at these "We Are
3: the World" lyrics over here, brother. It's looking. It's looking. They over
0: here preaching, brother. <laughs> You are the ones that make a brighter day, so let's start giving. (laughs) I'm sorry. That
3: song was the joint, man. That was the joint.
0: (laughs) All right, cool. Y'all ready to roll? Uh Uh-huh. So this is my suggestion. Lately, we've been going in so hard, we haven't been getting the songs. So maybe we should hit the song early on the show. Okay. Is that cool?
4: I think you open it, we introduce everybody, we kind of share maybe some of our experiences in missions before we actually get into the content, we share this first song.
0: Okay. all right, makes
3: sense. What's the first song? We Are the World. Are we going to do both? Well, you do Shakira first. Okay. And then we'll do We Are the World at the end. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's time for after. Pure that. Radio's going to kick us off the air. It's going to be good. great. So how we do this is that we're going to cut to it like we're going to go to the song, but then we're not. We're gonna
0: act- we're not going to actually
3: do it. So we're actually not going to do it. Then we're just gonna we'll going to keep going. will figure it out. Turn yep. it back It'll in. put it later. Yeah, mm. I'll yep. put it in later. Yep. All right. All right. So it's running. We're we we ready? Let's do it in five, four, three, two, one.
0: Hey, 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 Jacksonville, what's going on? This is the Ville Radio Show. You are now rocking with the Ville, with the Villains, Saved by Grace, all in your face, but we're here, whatever. You know what I'm saying? 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, and we are rocking. Um, we're about to jump in full effect. So listen, um, I got my people on there.
3: Bill, I'm about to start over. I'm start over. <laughs> you messing up? Man. I'm all over the place. You, you, I don't know <laughs> what's going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me hit some of my coffee real quick, brother. I'm messing up. I know it's. This, is the, this is the first time we've ever started over. Yeah, it's the first time. We don't. We don't ever do this. Right. I know it's wrong, with me. What? I went back to the gym today with the trainer today. Oh. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Please, Lord have mercy on me. All right. Here we go. Yeah, ready? I need
3: for you all to ju- to share the Veo Radio because I'm doing it from the Veo Radio page. Okay, cool. I have been doing it.
4: Got gotcha. you. The- yep. Want me to count down for you? Boom. Let's Three, go. two, one.
0: Yo, yo, Jacksonville, what's going on? This is 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. You're now rocking with the Ville Radio Show. This is your host, Jay Juliulis. You already know what it is, straight and narrow in the building, Ville Church in the building. Um, and I got some of my, my partners with me today, you know what I'm saying? I'll let them introduce themselves. Big Philly,
3: Illy. Hey, you Phil, do- no,
4: introduce me, Phil. I want you to introduce me. All
3: right, let me try to pull something together. You already know who it is. It's your boy. He's the great white hope, Woo! the center of, uh, the center of. <laughs> he, that's it. No, you can keep great, it right there. Yeah, yeah. The great white hope. Today, that's me. <laughs>
4: Shirk dog in the building.
3: Glad and you to be already here. know who I am. You already know. You know what I'm saying? You see me? It's the dream. It's the wonderful. It's the wondrous. Big Phil himself. When You rock on the DeVille radio show where we make him say, oh, oh. Two times, baby.
0: Once again, people, as we're in the middle of working with our HR to have him fired, um, the paperwork is just taking a long time, but they have committed to us that he will be removed off the air for his introduction. It's like, we love him. That's Philly Illies. Hey, listen, so everybody out there, you know what I'm saying, we... uh, We've got a good show here for you. We're going to be doing a couple of things or whatever, but before we jump into the topic, uh, we got some guests with us, so we want to just introduce you to some people who are dear to our heart. Um, you know what I'm saying? We just call them the Johnson OG Gangster Family, but we'll let, let them give their, their, their appropriate formal names. Yeah, give
3: them their appropriate government names, but that's who they are to us.
4: So, yeah, we want your names <laughs> and how we know you and what you do in the city. Cool.
1: Uh, my name is Tony Johnson, and I've uh, been to the church, the Ville, for about a year and a half. Um, and, yeah, then we live in Brentwood, uh, in a part of a, a ministry called Crew Inner City, to make a difference in Brentwood. Mm, cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah.
2: Connie. I'm Connie. And, uh, yeah, Tony and I met in Africa, married, and ha- raised our three boys. We were there for 25 years in East Africa and North Africa came to Jacksonville in 2010 and uh, we uh, we've been living intentionally in the Brentwood neighborhood
3: sweet awesome. so y'all met in Africa that's dope that's pretty amazing that's, stuff. that's like some, that's like a movie right there son <laughs> we we might have to make a movie about
0: that <laughs> you know at saying? some point straight up you know so um one of the things, just jumping into to this with everybody, like this particular show, we're going to be talking about missions. You know, we got, we got legitimate missionaries in the house. And for most of y'all who, for some of y'all who don't know, Shirk is actually a missionary as well and spent a lot of time in Haiti. Um, but what we're going to be talking about is actually, you know, I think one of the conversations that I hear often from people is that people... Um, they, we have this thing where we're starting to create somewhat of a disdain with people leaving out of the United States to go do missions, and we feel like it's to the ne- neglect of our urban communities um, in the states that are in great need. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think that this conversation often ends up very unbalanced, um, and we we kind of go with an either-or mentality, and we end up kind of demonize one thing versus the other thing. But I think there is a healthy middle, and I think, um, you know, our, our, our guests today are really big in it, Are, are really have a really big um, and vital perspective to it, because you spent so much time as missionaries overseas, and then you've also, you live in an urban context, right? So, you know, they live in an urban context.
3: They live in an urban context. Yeah, right?
0: like white people in the middle of a sea of black people, and... And and that is, y- y'all are doing missionary work locally. Um, y'all are actually coming out of what would pro- probably be a more comfortable context to be intentional with the gospel and the communities you feel that like God is calling y'all to reach. So I think your perspectives in this are going to be big because you have practical, real-life commitment to both. And then even with you, Shirk Dog, yeah. you um, you know what I'm saying? You've been in Haiti for a crazy um, Tom and you were even there doing the earthquake. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, people think you just bark and stuff or whatever, but you know they, don't they call really you know shirt dog. The they don't
3: know why they use a shirt dog. Because he's,
0: yeah, he's vicious in the streets. and because his bark game is good. This brother's, you know, he, he gets to it. So tell tell him you about know, it, shirt.
4: Back when when I was shirt puppy, I really didn't know much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, then then for some reason I uh, ended up moving. To Haiti and I still can't really explain it because um, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. but when when I was in college I was uh, you know all of us have our missionary stories of how we got to where we were and it's a long time to tell it all but I'll just say it in 90 seconds so when I was in college I had a huge dance party right That was kind of my thing I threw huge dance parties but then I wanted to raise money for something
0: I've heard about some of those dance parties, and please yeah. don't tell any of us about it. Epic. Yeah.
4: What happens at the dance parties? Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> we thought we'd raise some money and try and help out with, um, you know, something. And one of my friends had been to Haiti, and he said, hey, I know someone was trying to build an orphanage in Haiti. So we thought, man, let's try and – I was in college. College kids don't have any money. I was like, you know, let's try and raise, like, 500 bucks to send to, you know, get their orphanage fund started. And we ended up having this dance party And we ended up raising over $20,000, Wow! which didn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. But it seemed like God was doing something. So then we started our own like 501c3 to try and see the whole orphanage being funded. And by the end of college, we had raised all the money to build this orphanage. And so once they got the orphanage built, me, that friend, and his wife at the time, and another guy I knew, all moved down to Haiti um, because we had – We had heard that if you build orphanages and you don't go down to oversee it actually running, it turns into a big warehouse, not used properly, all this different type of stuff. So we just, on a blind move, just moved down to Haiti. And um, we were thinking like six months to get it up and running, make sure it was running well and then come back. But three months in was that earthquake in 2011. So we were in Haiti, unknowing that the whole country was going to change forever on one day, on January 11th. Yeah. 2010. I said 2011, but 2010. And, yeah, so everything changed after that. And so after that, I was there for probably about another year, but then in and out after that. Um, But, yeah, so that's kind of my experience. And my experience with missions, because I'm a little younger than the Johnsons, but it was more in a radical uh, crisis emergency type missions and – yeah, so that's his own story, but that's kind of my background with Haiti,
0: so. True indeed. Um, were you a part of Desire Street? So I was kind of,
4: yeah. I mean, there's a ministry that I worked at before I moved to Haiti. After college, in between, I was in uh, Louisiana.
3: So what you call him, man. Um,
4: Danny Warfles.
3: Danny Warfles, yeah. Yeah, he
4: started Desire Street when he played for the Saints, yeah. and so they did this um, Desire Streets in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans. I had a best friend that was, like, really high up, like, loved the ministry, went there. And I actually lived with him and a guy who graduated from Desire Street Academy. And I kind of got involved. I was a track coach at the academy and knew a lot of the guys. And um, that was kind of my first foray into, like, urban ministry. Yeah. Like, because I didn't really know before that. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys know, the Ninth Ward, is a, it's, it's insane. Yeah. And it was almost, I couldn't believe most of the stories I heard, but yeah. then I would see what happened after Katrina and all that stuff. And it yeah. was just, it was crazy. So I got my first kind of taste of that and just the poverty level differences, even in America, and yeah. just how how could this actually exist in our country? Mm-hmm. When we hear of like overseas, you know, all the, abject poverty all over the world, but then even in America, there is, like, devastation in like places. Like, you you can't even imagine people live there. Yeah. It looks like a war zone.
0: Like, people can't imagine, like, even this city or whatever, like, there's communities in Jacksonville that I, I drive through, people are outside cooking their food mm-hmm. in a hole in the ground in their front yard, and yeah. most people would, because they never go over there, they never could think that that is in proximity, like, yeah. in our city and close by. Um, for people who are listening, also um, Desire uh, Street was it Desire Projects, right? Is a Desire is actually the name of the projects inside of New Orleans in the Ninth Ward, and Desire Street Ministries was basically something that was birthed around that area in that context, basically on urban missions. Um, yeah. I, I just pushed into that because um, I just wanted to establish all of y'all's stories, so when we get into the meat of this conversation, people know that y'all have been sitting at this table. Another yeah. thing, too, is that you also serve the Baselli Foundation, right. which is here on uh, Moncrief and then also on Buckman on the east side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 21st, yeah. Yeah, tell me about that.
4: Yeah, so kind of my story is kind of is flip-flop. So when I first started into ministry, I kind of got into a campus ministry at LSU. So it was affluent people but also working with Desire Street Ministries in Baton Rouge because they had moved from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. Yeah. So I was kind of both hands seeing both sides. Yeah. And then I moved to Haiti and had this whole Haiti segment of my life. And then I got married and moved to Jacksonville to help um, plant this church. And I wanted to get involved with what was happening in the city and who are the, who are the most under-resourced, underreached, oppressed people in the city. And it was clear to me coming back I grew up in Jacksonville, seeing, like, there's got to be young black men in the city. It just seems like they are the ones that are getting the least amount of resources and the least amount of, like, attention to dire situations. Yeah. So I thought, I don't know anything about that. And so um, I ended up working at the Paselli Foundation, trying to work with middle school students and their parents, trying to see what the issues were and what was going on, just to learn while I was working at this church.
0: Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, Tony and Connie, you will y'all explain what Crew's mission is.
1: The um, mission of Crew Inner City is to equip and mobilize the church to live out God's heart for the poor, to focus on issues that the, the poor in the city face, and then what resources we can bring to the table to say how can we support the local church, working through the local church, not on our own, but The local church takes the lead, and we follow. So that's that's our goal.
0: Awesome. So there's a big esteem for the church in the process. It's not like, hey, we pull this out to do what the church isn't doing, but how do we actually empower the church to have legs to walk into these harder contexts?
2: Exactly, exactly, because we believe that the church is God's institution to bring about change in the society.
1: Okay. And many times the church is already doing as much as they can, and maybe we can bring some resources or some others to connect with them to take them farther, so we just try to do that.
0: Awesome. All right, so listen, this is 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. If you're listening, then you, I'm trying to give you a picture of what we got inside of the pot for this conversation, and the experience and the hearts that are actually at the table of this conversation. Um, And if you didn't catch it, what we're going to be talking about is missions, How is this supposed to look? Do we go overseas? Do we stay, you know what I'm saying? Do we go to the urban context and deal with the issues that are right here in America and all the issues we have? Um, What is the healthy balance in this conversation, Um, and how should the church be looking at it? What is it that we're missing? So we're going to hit some of these things, but if you know us, we start talking a lot, and we never get to a song on the radio. This This isn't a music show. This is a talk show more than anything else, but we still like to hit you with a little bit of music, so... Let's do that and then jump into the conversation. Which song are you thinking about? Uh, you know what? Because we're talking about missions and stuff. There's a couple mm-hmm. things playing around or whatever. Like, yeah. But, you know, we should play that We Are The World or whatever, that old school joint. We are the you remember, world. You remember when Michael Jackson had the, you know what I'm saying, the, the yeah. shiny glove the yeah. with the jerry curl?
3: He was directing the choir. Was he, he, had, Lionel Richie,
0: man. he had that, the, the Captain Crunch blazer with the sequence on it with the shoulder pads in it.
3: Well, check this out. I got another one, though. Okay, okay. Let's say we are the world. And bring it in go, on the back end. Let's bring it on the back end. I got this song from Shakira, Shakira. Really? Yes, sir. It's called Waka Waka, and this song is for Africa. You know what I'm saying? Let's do so it. So since we're talking about missions, I'm sure we're going to visit some stories about Africa. Your boy going to Africa in a little bit. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you know I'm yeah. saying? You're about to jump on the plane. I'm like, about to jump on the plane, straight baby. Straight up, okay. I know you can't see my face, but I'm ecstatic about this trip so we're going to go ahead and play that Shakira Shakira and then we're going to come back and get into some more topics about the mission field and we love to get y'all point uh, y'all views and y'all points right here on the live stream as well so y'all make sure y'all doing that right here on the Ville Radio Show. Most definitely
0: Shirt Dog you leading this next segment? You want to jump into it? You got statistics and numbers? Yeah yeah yeah. Philly Illies you um you are on Ville Radio Yep. Okay. Yeah.
3: Go ahead and share it because we ain't got to make you know it's, it's brand new to this, so it's like one person watching. Okay. But we gotta build it up. It's like I gotta build. I gotta start somewhere. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We usually do it on the. On my on, on my build, page, so it's a whole bunch of people, so whatever. So there'll be a bunch of people on my page. Yeah. I
3: don't know
4: why if you share, like it's not sharing the live stream. You have to click on it to go
3: to the radio show to watch it. Is that right? No. If you share it, it'll. It'll come up in a feed live, and it'll say you shared it, just like you share any other video or any picture. Who we got watching? Who is this? Who is this one person? Let me see who you is. Your who wife? Are you? Yeah, it's like, one of our one of, one of our biggest fans or something. I can't even see who it is. It won't let me see. You know, we might have to go back to my page, you know, cuz uh no, we're going to make it work.
0: We're going to make it work. We're yeah, going to make it work. work. Teamwork makes the dream work. There
3: it is. We got to build it. this is this is this ain't nothing but, you know what I'm saying, opportunity for us to build up the VIA Radio show page. Cuz we ain't got nothing but 200, 300 some people. I got a statistic about this, about America. It ain't got nothing to do with the missions, but it just shows you how we just spend money on things. We, the, 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 I looked up a, a statistic that the United States spends fifty million dollars a year in looking for um, war artifacts. So, like any wars that we've had. Like World War One, World War Two, any sea, you know, you know, any of those, they spent fifty million dollars going to look for, um, you know, sinking ships, blowing up tanks, and I'm like, we got fifty million dollars just, just to spend on to go look for stuff. I'm mean, like, man, you spent a bunch of money on the war, and then you spend fifty. <laughs> yes, and then you spend fifty million dollars on going to look for the stuff. Just to ha- yeah, just that you blew up and that you have. I was like, man, <laughs> we just got money. Like, just that's interesting. So, we ready to come back? Yep. Let's do it. Who's bringing this we. in? Uh, Shirt sure, dog. I'll bring this in.
0: Awesome. One hundred three point seven FM. Thirteen twenty.
3: Five, four, three, two.
4: Welcome back to the Bill Radio Show. This is Shirk Dog and my radio voice. Yes, you did. You came all the way. I I was trying my best. (laughs) Anyway, that's the best I got. But this is 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. And today, we're talking about missions. We're talking about missions. Everyone who's a Christian knows that missions is part of being a Christian. But do we know what missions is? And do we know what we believe about it? Right. Have we actually wrestled through the ideas of it because it's challenging. I mean, even right now, Philly Illy is going to Africa for 10 days yeah. on a short-term mission.
3: Yeah. And I don't, I, I wouldn't, I, at first I didn't even consider it a mission because we're going into a church, uh-huh. but we are going into other places that's not a church too. So, right. But my well, views have changed since talking to a few people like yourself yeah. and the Johnsons, and so I'm pretty excited about it. They got me kind of turned up about this.
4: Well, you should be turned up because this is your first one, right? It is. First
3: time in Africa. At first, time in Af- first time across the pond. I've never, been, I've never been out west. I haven't even been to California. I've already did all the way up the east coast. I've always been up to Connecticut all the way down to Miami. I just stayed in the east coast, Central America. Never did anything outside of a three-hour flight. So I got this fifteen hours that's on my back.
2: So, y'all
3: yeah, pray for you, boy. We will pray for your boy.
0: Better take that Ambien on the plane. Oh my God, he's promoting. You don't want to be doing ambient. anything crazy on the plane. But, <laughs> but only take only take one, because if you take two, you I already told you they're gonna be walking you off the plane with a mm-hmm. with a wife beater mm-hmm. on. And 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 no and pants and, and some Timblins on and a hat. It's gonna be bad, and you're not even gonna know it happened. And it's not you your sweat, hat or Timblins. You're, you're just gonna wake up in prison. Like what? What happened? Be like, well, you. you
3: he said, he it's not gonna even be your hat or your Timblins <laughs> t- <laughs> t- or your draws. Yeah. Like,
0: you we don't don't, know. don't take too much ambient, brother.
1: Believe. Um, me.
4: But here's the thing, Phil. Like, I. I'd like to bring up something controversial just from the jump. Let's gotcha. do it. Let's do it. So one of the things when I was in Haiti, after the earthquake, we had tons of people coming down. Like yep. tons of relief. Ton- every- everyone was talking about Haiti. If y'all remember that. Like, yes. It yes. was the topic that yeah. everyone was talking about. So it was Wy- exciting. cliff
3: was going to even um, try to be the president at, the, at one point. Yeah. That's right. Point, it didn't work out. But yeah. Yeah. it was cool.
4: Yeah. Um, so but what was interesting that I noted. So we had... Teams coming from all over the United States, all over Canada. Very few. And when I say very few, I mean less than, it's unscientific, 2% of the people coming down were African American. Hmm. And this was something I definitely noted in my head. Yeah. Because we had some people come from Miami who were actually Haitian or some of their friends who were African American and then we actually helped the boys from Desire Street come down mm-hmm. to do a mission trip there. But besides that, there was not anybody else. And it, it just kind of, like, made me think. Yeah. Like, well, why is that? Yeah. And is it a lack of, um, well, now I have a better, clearer understanding. But what do you guys think of that? And your experience being an African-American church. Yeah. Like, why don't, why is international missions seemingly, I mean, maybe it's not, there yeah. it is, uh, because Phil's going with the African American church. Yeah. Why isn't it promoted and or like sought after?
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a really, really good question. Um, straight off my head, no statistics in, in, in front of me, but just, um, I guess practical experience. What I would say in my mind is it's kind of like when we talk about, um, foster care or adoption mm-hmm. with, what you find in the African-American context is people are always taking care of kids that are not theirs. So like the legitimate platform of going to adopt kids, you see less African-Americans, but in the African-American experience, especially with so many so much fatherless, fatherlessness, you have grandparents taking care of kids. Um, I know people right now that take care of like their friends' kids because the friend might be on drugs or whatever the case is, whatever. So it's like, I'm walking around with eight kids at this point. So um, so I think the context of how we grab a hold of those things or whatever is a little bit different. So in the African-American church, like, for instance, you know, even with the show, our premise is kind of like, you know, why don't people come, you know, and take on missions in the urban context? So this is kind of a weird thing because you kind of see the whole um, seesaw effect where, like, for in the white in, in predominantly white churches, it's like we go overseas, but we jump past the urban context. But then in the black church, it's kind of like, well, we're in the urban context. So we're pretty much the weight of the need is huge, but then it's also, it can keep, keep your eyes on going overseas, which is important too, which is big, the basically what we want to wrestle over because I feel like they end up being getting demonized. Like yeah. I think like a lot, a lot of, a lot of my African American brothers, it's like, yo, why are all these white churches pouring so much money overseas? and there's nothing being, there's not very many church plants, there's not very much um, pursuit of the, the minor, you know, minority communities, um, but I imagine that, you know, very, like what you're saying, a lot of white um, Christians are like, well, where your brother's at over here? I mean, you know that, what was,
3: that was me. I wasn't that, I, I'm, I, and I still kind of honestly am not that optimistic about, missions in other countries. I understand the need for it. Mm-hmm. But I think because of I grew up on the east side. I grew up where you where you you have to go do a mission. And and but I grew up in the Brentwood area where you got people going to do and it was just like that was my whole that was my whole mindset behind it. It's like man uh your backyard is uh yeah. full of full of vipers. You know what I mean? While you going over there, you got some vipers over there. They're right. a little more poisonous. You know, mm-hmm. I got you. But these ones over here, they'll kill you too. Yeah. So we need to kinda kind of take care of some of these. So that was always my mindset when I became a Christian and I found out what missions what missions were. And right. what I found because I, I went to a predominantly white church when I first when the Lord saved me, and they were, man, I mean, thousands upon thousands of dollars on missions. right? Cuba, uh, uh, tens of thousands. Yes. Yeah. yeah and just, Hey, uh, India. Mm. Um, and it was, um, and it wasn't until I understood scripturally the, the importance of missions, Yeah, you know, I, it wasn't until I understood what Jesus said, Hey, you want to know what religion is? This is what religion is. Taking care of these people understand. And that's just not, here, that's yeah. all over the world. And Then I uh, stumbled upon somebody by the name of Paul Washer mm. and um, uh, began to hear a sermon about him and how he felt about uh, missions and how Christians are being persecuted all over the country and things like that how p- people are having churches in caves and it was just all type of different stuff that kind of right. opened my mind and then I went to a predominantly African American church and then when I found out we were doing missions too. Yeah. Like like because I begin because it was beginning to be laid out to me the importance of hey um understanding that what I what I what I what I begin to realize as a young black man coming from the east side and coming from this area that um yes this is a area that needs Jesus um but we also but I also um need to be aware of how blessed I am to be a part of this nation Mm -hmm. And to, and and that's not, i be, I'll be, I'm careful when I say that, Um, but I understand that um, somebody is a lot better off, somebody is a lot worse off than I am and they need opportunity to, uh, for somebody to share the gospel with them, whether or not it is communication barriers, whether or not it is that their life is on the line, you know, I could carry my Bible. To a school. Even though they say they took you know, prayer and stuff out of schools, I can still carry a Bible in the school. Sure. There's places mm-hmm. where you are, your life is over if you do that. So, yeah. I kind of had to count the cost of that and begin to open up my eyes as the older I got. But yeah. I was that guy. I was like, everybody running over there. Running over there. What's the point of that? So. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I think what would be good, I'm going to ask the Johnsons this question. How would you guys define missions? Like, what is missions to you?
2: it's the great commission but mission's actually started back in the garden in genesis so it's throughout the bible and uh, right from genesis 3 god had a plan to to uh, redeem a broken world and so um, it has not just started in the 20th century or even in the 15th century or even at pentecost mm-hmm. and The aspect of missions, though, brings in a cross-cultural aspect. Um, Within missions, we talk about cultural nearness. So for me to go and approach someone from my same socioeconomic level in English, in America, is fairly easy. But uh, the further away, the further there's differences, that's where it really takes on that aspect of mission because of the cross-cultural aspect of it. Mm. Yeah. Tony, what do you
1: think? Um, I read a book some years ago that says missions exist because worship doesn't. Mm. And so I think that's, for me, wherever there's an opportunity to expose people to worship the the one true God, then that's a mission opportunity. Uh, But I think, like Connie said, there's a cross-cultural aspect. And I was just thinking about when I first went overseas. Uh, Before I went overseas, I went into... um, overseas training program, and we spent three months in south-central L.A., uh, and I'd never been to L.A., and especially never been really in the predominantly African-American community, but that was a way to get me used to cross-cultural living, and then I went overseas, and my reception in south-central L.A. was very different than my reception when I got overseas, and I don't know if that's part of it as well. You know, I can go to another country, and they're happy to see me. hmm but I go to some communities here in the U.S., and they're, they're, they just don't know why I'm there. They ask oh, yeah. questions, and so it's, it, it's, 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 easy, you, it's, easy, it's easier for me to go overseas. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's part of it, but it's just.
4: I can relate to that fully. When I'm in Haiti, it's like you're a superstar because everyone wants to know about you, about your American culture, what's cool, what's not cool. And it's like they want to hang with you all day. When I got the job at Buscelli, I showed up thinking like, oh, this is going to be cool, same thing. Instead of, like, a huge reception or hugs, I just got the finger. Like, yeah. who are you? Why are you here? Get yeah. out of here. I'm yeah. like, cool, glad to be here, guys. I'm here for you. Don't you understand that? You know, but that's probably the problem in and of itself. So it's just interesting the different – and part of that, I think, is why – because, yeah, I think there's two, two sides to this. So we're saying, like, on one side, people are like, we need to go we need to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel and we need to do it at all costs because that's the great commission. But they skip over the like Samaria Judea also. So, so there is an aspect of that. But then on the other side, there's like, Hey, there's so much here that I can't even start to think about anyone else, which makes sense too. But then when I see the desire street boys come down to Haiti, their whole perspective changed and it really did. And It's not that they don't know poverty, but they haven't seen poverty on a mass scale on that kind of level. Mm. Like they can go to the grocery store. Yeah, They don't have to like sit by a tree hoping that things fall off the tree. You know, it's just, there's just a difference. And I think part for me, why I think missions is good is because God commanded it. But then also it's good because we actually receive when we give. Like, you just receive so much and you understanding different cultures helps you to understand different aspects of God that you can't see by yourself. Yeah. And with people similar to you. yeah, is impossible. So when I went down to Haiti, I'm looking at the way they worship. I mean, they're, they're on the ground, concrete, dusty as I don't know what floors, rolling around, wailing. And then here I am kind of like, uh, uh, should I be doing this? Is this awkward that I'm just standing here? But I mean, they're like worshiping on a level that I've never seen people worship before. Yeah. Completely sincere. Yeah. Not not a show, just because there wasn't anyone there. It yeah. was just a few people. And I'm just thinking like, I don't get something.
0: Like what am I missing? I'm
4: missing that. You know, on the flip side, there's things that I see in their culture that I'm like, they don't get this. No one has, no one has like, walk them into the truth that like partially doing things with voodoo doctors for their medicine isn't right. Like that's not going to actually help their kids. Like if they give all their money to a voodoo doctor to heal their kid, that the voodoo doctor doesn't even have the power to heal the kid. Yeah. So there's just, there's different aspects. So you just see both and, and it just helps you grow and mature when you do cross-cultural stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: Anyway, let me let me I want to throw this statement to y'all and kind of hear what you what you get when you hear this, right? So this is from um, a book called Toxic Charity by a guy named Robert Lupton, and he says, "Contrary to popular belief, most mission trips and service and service projects do not empower those being served, engender healthy cross-cultural relationships, improve quality of life, relieve poverty." Change the lives of participants, or increase support for long-term missions work. Yep.
4: Um, Let me quote some st- uh, statistics from that same book. Yeah. Okay. So, Phil, I'm just going to warn you: this is going to be hard to hear with you going to Africa for ten days on Monday. Okay. But you should think through these things. So, Africa has received one trillion in aid over the last fifty years, and the per capita income is now lower life expectancy has stagnated, and adult literacy is lower. 85% of the money that is aid money flowing to African countries never reaches its targeted areas of need, 85%. Mm. Um, I quote this statistic, after Hurricane Mitch went through Honduras, U.S. mission teams rushed down there to rebuild homes, but they spent an average of $30,000 on a home when locals could have built a home for 3000 each. In Honduras. In Honduras, yeah. So America, because we rushed, like, you know, because we're the big brother wanting to help, we're paying $30,000 for each home, yet we could have given the money to locals to build it, and they could have built 10 homes for the price of one that we built. Jeez. So this is the last one. The money spent by one campus ministry to cover the cost of their Central American missions trip to repaint an orphanage would have been enough to hire two local painters, two new full-time teachers, and purchase new uniforms for every student in the school. So this, this is the problem with missions. So this is what people see, that we are so excited to like be a part of this mission, but sometimes we, no. Most of the time, where our heart is, is it something exciting, something sexy, something cool that we can tell our friends. Mm. And I have a thousand stories about that because I dealt with all these people. But in these short-term trips, this is the question. Are short-term trips like Phil's going on in less than a week, are they – Killing you, Phil. Are they important? Killing. Are they worth doing? That's the question.
1: What do you all think? I, I think there's value. It depends on how you do it, go about it. If if there's no continued, if it's just a separate event, you do, it loses. But if it's a part of an ongoing ministry, yeah. it can be very powerful in somebody's life. And in the lives of those you minister to, and also your attitude, are you going in to serve, or is this about you? Yeah. Like you said, I'll have a great story to tell, but I'm going in to invest in the people's lives, whatever time period it mm-hmm. is. I've, I've seen when, when we were in Africa, people coming um, and the impact they had on the, the people in Africa. Many of them were saying uh, they thought enough of us. They knew they could have spent other, their time anywhere else. They could have been on a vacation, but they came to spend time and, and serve with them and, and stay in their homes, live with them, and, and just experience life with them, and that had a great impact on the, the African people. And, and then when they continued, the correspondence, continued to, to know them, keep up with them, uh, that, that meant a lot but it had to be an effort, not just to make it about me and what I was gonna do, but it was about serving the, the local body. I think it's just, it's a mindset, we're servants. And if we go that way, wherever we go, we can do that. And missions can be a part of it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, I have a question for y'all particularly, like um, I remember talking to some missionaries from Europe one time and I was just asking them how they do their work, where they're at. And they were, they were telling me, they were like, listen, If you spit out the window, you'll hit a Christian in the United States. They're like, we can drive for three days straight and never run into one Christian. And they said on top of that, the cultural um, norm is that people don't accept advice from anybody outside of their family. So it's like you come, you know, they're like, it's a cultural thing. If somebody comes trying to tell you anything about life and how to live, it's like, get the heck away. They only receive it from family um, and really, really close friends. And so I asked them, I said... Well, how do you do any work for the kingdom in that? And they said, we are in the middle of a very long story. It involves us playing soccer with them as much as possible. It involves us having coffee with them, going to drink a little bit of wine with them, hanging out with them. Like we have to become so relationally knit before we can even get their ear to even tell them about. God what we believe and we have to live it out in front of them throughout that whole time before really jumping to go um, and so that that always really it it messed with me especially at that time because I think God was really dealing with me with the quick fix of oh I shared the gospel with somebody today mm-hmm. but not having to do the hard work of walk, getting in their life them becoming a part of my life and walking it out with them so it kind of hit me in the head and I feel like that um, a kind of quick, easy fix deal is a lot of what is wrong with, um, you know, or one perspective of what's wrong with, with mission, so to speak or whatever. I think short range, you know, trips are good. Like you said as well, Tony, because I mean, most definitely if people already have a, a work that's solid there and you can show up in it, even if it's quick and come as a servant, Man it has to be encouraging for the workers, and I imagine it's encouraging for the people who live in that context as well, so I think they very well could be lucrative and and, and huge in that way or whatever. I think Phil, when you go over there and people see you worshiping and just the anointing that's on your life for God, I think it's going to be huge and encourage the work that's already planted there but um but what is your what's what's your like in your your experience being in Africa for so long, what was trying to get something rooted and in the life of people? What did that look like? Because I think a lot of people, when they think of missions, it just kind of is this vague thing. And, but what does it look like on the ground for real? And then, Shirk, I want you to come back and hit that in the head, too.
4: And I want the Johnsons, to, just so we know, it's in North Africa. Yeah. So it's a different window than what people generally think, I think, of Africa but I want you on Yeah, it.
2: It, it, it's not glamorous. I think often coming back to the States, people would be like, oh, that is so exciting. And I got to thinking, exciting is such an American value. Yeah. And it's not exciting. Really, a lot of times it's boring. I mean, when we went over, there was no internet. There was no phone service. And it was a complete flip of American culture, for me. From the doing, the achieving, to just being with yeah. people. And being a learner, uh, I, I did, there's really just two different kinds of people, those who come in as learners and those who have another attitude, but it makes all the difference. Yeah. But what is being a learner? What does that look like? It means that you've got to start talking, like, hopefully a two-year-old. <laughs> Maybe after... You know, a year you might feel like, oh, I can express myself like a five-year-old. I mean, just the language learning is very humbling. But along with that language learning comes insight into culture and realizing how different those people are, how different they think. And really coming to an awareness that the world is not white. The world is not America. America is not the greatest. It's a great country, but it's not the greatest. And no, not everyone wants to be an American. Mm. And that's not even my primary identity. So it's very, very humbling.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. That's a lot right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when we went to North Africa, we had spent a number of years overseas. We were back in the U.S., and it was just after 9 11 that we began to pray about going to North Africa. And to me, it was hit me that if we don't go, they're going to, the people's going to come here has a different agenda, a different idea. So if we can go, and then also I thought, I did want my sons to grow up fearing the people from that part of the world. I wanted them to know that these people are people and they need to hear the truth as anybody. So that was my motivation a lot in going is, it wasn't about me. It was about them knowing uh, my sons, I guess, because by that time we were in our mid-40s and learning the language after 40 is is no joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was really it was really helpful for me to say, the focus not on me. And, and it was a, a reminder that it should never be on me. Yeah. That was to, to serve and to, to learn. And, and so my sons could say, you know, any part of the world, uh, there's no place that We can't go. So that was, that was, for me, it was a a big thing to learn that way. I think just, I, I, you have to be a learner. And Mm I think I'd never experienced being a minority until I lived overseas for an extended period of time. And that's a whole different way of looking at life. Mm -hmm.
0: You you know, so I got to ask y'all this question and just for even people who are listening and people who are watching on Facebook live right now, like one of the things about the Johnsons or whatever, like earlier I was saying that y'all live in a black context, like y'all live in Brentwood. Black community, we've been to your house before. I see the kids from the neighborhood coming in your house. La- the last time I was sitting in a meeting in in um, in um y'all's house, I forgot the young man's name across the street, but I believe he's a teenager. But we having a, a meeting and brother walked in the door and was like, what's up, fellas? Hey, y'all want some pie and cake? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, bruh man from Martin and then went in the fridge and made us all a plate and then just sat down at the meeting table. And I was like, but that's how y'all live. Like, everybody in the community comes through. And another thing I remember, too, I remember y'all telling me, like, that somebody had broken into your house and y'all knew who it was. But what amazed me about it was your demeanor and it was like, it was almost like y'all had more concern for the person who broke in your house than you did the fact that your house was broken into. And it just speaks so much to me, and I'm so grateful to have you all a part of our church and to be leading in everything because of what you just, you know, even in your years of just maturity and your experiences and the way God is working in you is absolutely huge for us. But looking at where you've been um, in Africa and in, in missions overall, how does it tie into... The life decision you've made right now to um to be inside of a, a black community and and then you have you got a couple of brothers grown men basically living in your house and they love you and you love them what is that what what is that how does that whole story of working in missions tie into
1: that in the now it's, it's still learning came back here to the U.S., and this is a part of the U.S. I don't know. And if I'm going to know it, I've got to be there. And so that's... Our, our mind was, if we're going to serve in the inner city, we got to be a part of it. I've got to learn how people do life there and see life through their eyes. So for me, it's it's special when they accept me as a part of the community. It took a while. It's still taking some time, I think. Uh, but it's like they we, we've become part of the community, and I, and I appreciate that. You know, they didn't have to. I was just... Um, uh, talking to Connie this morning, and saying, "You know, why in America should the black community trust the white community? What? Why, why should there be trust there? Why at all? Because we've spent years just destroying that. I mean, and it just goes on. It seems. And so, I have to do what I can to say, you know, I, I live for a different purpose. Um, and so, I think, to me, just to say, I want to know life as you know it. Uh, I know some things about life, but..." I want to see life through your eyes and be a part of your life. Will you you let me do that? And it takes time because there's barriers, historical barriers and racial barriers that I have to live through. But I think if we're willing to do that, we will be accepted. You know, I want to say
3: something on the lines of that because number one, that's unheard of. Okay, that's number one. That's that's unheard of. Okay, Um, when you have it's peculiar. Yes, you all take that that's just that mission and and that purpose and go move into an area and live there you know like you were saying earlier Jeremy a lot of people and what we were just saying about a lot of short-term missions if it's not beautiful looking and it's not eventful then you know a lot of people don't really want to be a part of that you know what I'm saying and we were you know we was we were making a lot of uh, points about just uh, that side, but I also believe a lot of that happens because that's the way we treat our relationship with God too. A lot of us don't. A lot of American Christians don't have a full understanding of the gospel and, and understanding of that scripturally how God how we should live our lives yeah. as Christians. Yeah, we do the microwave thing. We want to pop put something in. Pop it in for five seconds in the popcorn, popcorn. Yeah, you know what I mean. You Be roll. like, God fixed it. God needs you to fix it. I got You know, i the first. It blew my mind the first time I heard um, a uh, uh, a preacher tell me that um, God may not take that away from you. Do you know that? I was like, mm, I ain't never been taught that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I've been taught that He gonna deliver me from that. He said, well, there's a ultimate deliverance when he returns, but on this life, that might be a limitation for you for the rest of your life, but he might, he'll definitely pull you through it, but he may not take it away from you. Yeah. And I coming from where I came from, that's, that was unheard of and that was your faith is lacking. You don't, you're not mature enough in God. If you, be, if you don't believe that this stuff is gone, if you don't believe that you can have diseases People get sick and and your relationship with god ain't right if you are sick your relationship with god ain't right if you if you have this uh uh, uh uh disease that you've gotten or whatever the case may be and I think we treat a lot of our uh, i i think we as Amer- american christians and i i i mean because of what we have here and just how we how our views are and just the freedom that we have, I think we treat a lot of uh people that way because that's how we treat our relationship with god we We don't want there's no need for me to go live move into a neighborhood and live and 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 really take on this neighborhood and do that because um, when I come in and I preach, you should be changed at that moment so Yeah, like, so I just want to just, like, point out the simple fact that that was, this is very unheard of, and the simple fact that you all take on the mindset, and you all, and I'm there. You know, I started hearing about people like Second Mile Ministries is doing this roof, and what you call it, the
0: CCDA, John Perkins,
3: Perkins and how these people purposely say we're going to go move into this area, and we're going to live there. It's like a life sentence, it's like, it's like a life sentence. It's like it is a, a
4: full-time missionary. It's a
3: full-time missionary. It's yeah. like, a hey, this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. And, I mean, we just don't, it's not a lot of that. So, you, you, don't, know, you don't hear that a lot. You don't. Here's the question, though,
4: that I have for anybody who's a Christian. Mm.
3: Who is a Christian
4: that's not a full-time missionary? Everybody. Well, mm. if you look at Christians, you see a Most are not full-time missionaries. We don't think eternally. We don't think like that.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. but we should. But but we
4: should. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah.
2: We are all witnesses. It's just what are we witnessing? Yeah. Are we witnessing about a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we a witness to a comfortable community? And I'm going to just get the most I can out of life here.
0: Yeah, You know, earlier when you were talking, Tony, you used the word when we we're talking about, I think, short term missions, you use the word servant and about what going in with that perspective. And I think that that word and the idea of that alone, uh, that uh, the idea of that alone, that how the Bible calls us to be a servant. And when even the disciples are like, who's going to be the leader, who's going to be the boss after you're gone? And he's like the one that's pretty much the biggest servant. And culturally, we've completely flipped that around to where the person who is the boss is the one who gets served the most. Um, and, and I think there's, there's a remedy in the idea of being a servant and what Christ was showing us there where it walks you into a missional life at all times when you step inside of a room and you're thinking of yourself as a servant, you get a completely beautiful perspective that actually um, helps you miss a lot of sin. Because if you don't step in a room, and I'm talking about something as simple and practical as a coffee shop or in the workplace, if you don't step in like that, all of a sudden you have to start fighting for idols in the room like, I need attention, I need power, I need control. The list goes on. Oh, okay, there's a cute p- girl in the room. I need her attention. Oh, but I'm, all manners of sin happen on the flip side. But when you step in as a servant, a lot of these things don't come into the perspective. So there's, a, there's a, this beautiful thing God gave us in that calling of being a servant that protects our heart so much. And I think, you know, when I think about the church, um, generally kind of in America, I believe because we haven't esteemed that name as being this beautiful name, which the Bible clearly shows as Christ honors the heart of a servant, man, we've betrayed so many things in it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we we try to get our crown now and we've missed so much in it. Um,
4: Can I ask the Johnsons a question? Yeah,
0: definitely. So for you guys, if people are out there hearing this radio
4: show or watching or whatever, and they're thinking man, I've I've always thought about doing missions, but I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where I'd go. Should I be national, international? What does that even mean? Like, how how would you help people start processing what to do if they feel the call to go, whatever that means?
2: When I went to college, I had become a Christian when I was uh, 16. And... um, so when I went to college, I realized for me to grow more in my faith, I needed to learn to share my faith. And a very, I think a crucial aspect of going overseas is being able to articulate my faith mm. and being able to do whatever I'm going to do there. I've got to do it here.
1: I think also as, for me, it's, we, our culture promotes comfort. Comfort. We you want to be comfortable, and that is the opposite of serving. Uh, and so am I willing to go to places where I will be uncomfortable and serve, uh, maybe without recognition, uh, maybe my agenda didn't get, uh, you know, played out, um, and, but I, I'm willing to serve and just be there. And um, I think that's, that, that continues to be a challenge for me I, because even where we live now, I can get comfortable in my little corner. And say I'm okay. And it happened to me some a couple of years ago. I was like, okay, I'm good here. People can come to me. And then God said, I didn't bring you here to be comfortable. I'm bringing you here to go out and mm-hmm. continue to push myself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's where it's that's where I grow in Christ uh, because I can't depend on myself. And so, but I think just say, uh, am I find the opportunities to serve and serve uh, across cultures? Uh, just put yourself out there, and then see what God does.
4: And so y'all have been missionaries in several different countries, several different places. Um, What was was the point where you felt that it went beyond an idea into, like, confirmation we need to go ahead and do this? Like, how did y'all decide, like, okay, now we're actually going to go and do it? Not that we're going to talk about it anymore, make pros and cons lists. I don't know if y'all did that, but people do that. But, you know, like, at what point were you like, okay, now we feel... We are going. It's certain. Like when, when? does that come about?
2: Tony and I met overseas. I'm from Michigan. He's from South Carolina. He was in the Alpha Gamma Rho agricultural fraternity. We would never have met.
0: Alpha Gamma Rho. <laughs> Act like you know.
2: He was the noble ruler. <laughs> Bad. Bad, no.
3: Yes, sir. So Did you say we, agricultural
2: fraternity. Yes. Ag Ag majors, yeah. All right. Nice. All right. Grow, baby, grow. Sometimes they smelled like that, too. (laughs) No. They were an amazing group of guys that have continued to be uh, amazing friends. But we individually came to that call. Um, So for myself, uh, I had gotten that interest in going overseas, um, concerned about the need for clean water, um, and pursued a degree in civil engineering. Uh, and went on a six-week mission to Tanzania just to see if, to confirm, could I really live like this? Um, for me, knowing that to to go on a missions was really burning a bridge behind me. Because it would be really difficult to pick up a technical degree like engineering um, coming back to the States. So it was actually before going that I'm, I was all in.
4: So when you say burning bridges, you mean it because you're about to be an engineer?
2: I was.
1: Yeah. I okay. was. Wow. I mean, like and that, I, I mean,
3: that alone, man, just like engineer missions. What I love doing, what I necessarily know that is not mm. something I want to be doing, but it's a call of God. Like, like you got to factor all that stuff in, man. And I'm just telling you, man, that's like me, like, pot of spaghetti, white rice. I'm going to eat the spaghetti all the time, son. It's like <laughs> pot of chili, bowl of broccoli. And it's like, I'm not, I understand what the broccoli does for my body and what it does for me. Mm-hmm. But this right here is not only going to give me satisfaction to my bones and it's going my to give you health. comfort. It's going to be comfort to my mouth and everything. Like the the the, vitamin, the 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 vitamins and the the beef and all of that. I'm gonna take all of that in, man. F- hey, like, Phil, can stop, stop thinking about. Are that. you hungry, <laughs> I, yeah. I know we Phil have. Phil is just walks,
0: describing that yeah. with his eyes closed. I'm just yeah, for I am real. Hungry, the way so. your eyeballs are rolling up in the back of your head is making me feel
3: uncomfortable as you're talking about. I mother, am. Brother. I'm hungry. I know that was a bad analogy, but I'm just Jilly, hungry. But, but I, <laughs> but I felt it. But I was like, I'm serious, like. You have to factor that in, like, man, engineer, I'm sure you went to school, and, like, she, that was something that she been wanting to do, you know, so. Yeah. That's, like, the radical call, though.
4: Yeah. Like, when we say that, like, I keep, I've been thinking about this recently, but, like, we, we take becoming a Christian and the, the things we do after that as, like, rational responses, you know? Yeah. But it's supernatural. Like, you have to die to yourself, which is crazy. Yeah. No one wants to do that. No. That has to be a supernatural calling, like God actually leading you to that and you trusting that if you die to yourself you're gonna be with him, because why would you die to yourself with no hope in anything else? Like yeah. and so the idea that even if it looks worse on paper that God's promised something and you actually believe that. Mm-hmm. And like how does that how does that even play out? You know, yeah. because Christianity isn't rational. I mean it is in some aspects, but in others you have to like space. It's faith, and you do crazy things. Like, are you living a comfortable life and just being, like, using this banner of, like, I'm a Christian, so I'm cool, and I'm good with God? Or do you actually believe what he said, and you're stepping out in faith at the risk of losing everything?
3: Yeah. So I got a question for, for Tony and Connie. Do, especially based on how long you all been doing this, do you love this? Number one. And when I say, do you love this, meaning, like, I know you love the people, but have you all gotten to a place now in your age now that you can say, I finally do love doing this? Or is it something that you will be, like, always, like, dying to? Like,
0: can, can, I, can I add to your question? Yeah. Because time is running short, and okay. I feel like I was about to go to the same place. Okay. Cool. And it, tell me if I'm missing your question. Do you, like for me, I think, you know, sometimes a lot of believers, like even when your mind leans to think radically, if you haven't seen it, you don't know what it looks like. I think there's a lot of people and even, even white people who are in a white church, white context that they dare, they, they may even look in the inner city and grieve it, but they've never met any people crazy enough that have said, I'm actually going to go live in that context. When I first went to CCDA and I met a a white lady that was almost 70 years old who moved to Chirac in the middle of Killerville, it blew my mind. And I said, what do you do to minister? She said, I stand at my gate and I say hello to these people that walk by every day until they finally speak back. And then one day they end up on the porch having coffee. Then one day they end up having dinner. And she said, this is a work that's at least 15 years. And I'm like, this lady's 70 years old in gang infested area, life on the line. And I'm seeing young guys, 20 something years old, living in gang riddled neighborhoods. And they're like, yeah, they just shot up. I was in the kitchen. My whole cover got shot up. They're not even flinching as if their life doesn't mean anything to them. And I'm like, man, I heard that somewhere before in the Bible. So in asking that question, what keeps you there? And, yeah. and grabbing what Phil said. Yeah. Is it rich? Do you love it? Does it, wh- what's what's it about? Like, where is Jesus in it? Like, I just going off the air, I want to hear people, anybody who would try to just say, man, they're just crazy or whatever. I don't think you're crazy. I think you're seeing Jesus. So, like, can y'all
3: paint that a little bit for me? Because it's way past adventurous crazy now. In, yeah. Especially in the age
1: that you all are doing, still doing it, like i I love Jesus, and uh, he gives me the the grace and the ability to to do what we do uh, it's not i mean on my own uh, i'd find some other place it's just it's just reality i mean it's 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 not comfortable it's not um, but to see him use me in some way to let somebody else see what I know what I have with jesus uh, i'm willing to do that so I, I love what what we do, uh, not because of the the comfort of what we face, or the what, what the life, but but just that I can experience Jesus in the middle of what we do. That's that's my life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know how else to put it. I, I I just I I love Him, and He says go, and so I, I want to be obedient.
0: Miss mm-hmm. Connie, you wanna you want you want to punch on that, hit that a little bit too.
2: Yeah, there's plenty of days when I'm just ready to pack up and start driving west or north. but uh, And I think just that daily walk, like Tony said, and daily believing Jesus did this. Jesus came, he left heaven. He didn't leave comfortable suburbia, he left heaven. He came here. And he resisted all these temptations uh, we were in Tanzania, and it was, it was very tough. And at one point, one of our coworkers, American too, he said, you know what, if we leave, Satan wins. So there's just times when we have to take that warrior channel, that inner warrior, and say, here I stand. Um, and, yeah, only by the, the call of God. What he's done in my life. When we went to Africa individually in our training, they said Africa is going to be 10% you changing Africa, but it's going to be 90% Africa changing you.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And Did you hear that so big film? I heard it, brother. You heard, heard that? It. Yeah. So they it keeps mean.
2: us on the cutting edge of our faith. We, I think we know to back up, have we mm-hmm. would lose something.
1: Most and our connection definitely. with God. And I've learned so much from Christians that are there. That's their home. That's their live. They live there. I just, they, they, I, lo- I learn from them. They, their faith. I think people say, "Well, you have great faith." I look at I, you. Don't know faith. This, this person. Yeah. They've lived their whole life here, and they're, and they're still committed to being there. Mm-hmm. They have faith. I met mm-hmm. a neighbor just this week. He shared his story of how he committed to his girlfriend who he got pregnant, um, and he said, "I'm going to marry her." thought man at 17 years old I said, yeah that is something to be honored yeah you know just, I just I learned from the, my neighbors they tell me the stories yeah yeah I love to hear
0: it's beautiful mm. listen we're at the end of our show
3: well this is real uh uh
0: Tony that's and Connie I appreciate anyway, y'all yeah that's
3: that, that's that wisdom it you is elder wisdom it's right so there. gang
0: that's why I call them OGs man gangsters man straight up and down Listen, I know, I know y'all are still young, but you know what I'm saying. You know. <laughs> Listen, this is uh, the Ville Radio Show, one hundred three point seven FM, thirteen twenty AM, Pure Radio. Um, people, I hope you've been rocking with us throughout this whole show, man. God has just been blessing us with some good stuff as we talk about missions. Listen, next week we are going to be um, pushing deeper into this conversation and talking to uh, Shirk Dog about his time in Haiti and even getting into more of the conversation. But, man, we thank the uh, Johnson's family. Shout out to Crew also, uh, Crew Inner City, um, and just all the work that they're doing here as well. And um, so Yo, I guess we Go out. like
4: our Facebook page too.
3: Straight Please. up. The Veil Radio Show. Go like it because we live stream, share it, we want Tell to hear your, your
4: thoughts. We want to talk to y'all Yes. because we all own this city. Yes. So we want to know what everyone thinks.
0: Straight up and down. Love y'all. Peace. Good fun. Wow. That was great, man. That Thank y'all. Uh, Phil back
1: after his trip. Uh, no, this no, is, I know. Mean, for real. It's yeah. Two. Yeah. three. Awesome. Yeah, part three yeah. Hey,
0: yeah. And, uh, you know what's crazy, Phil? I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. You told me before you didn't never want to go to Africa. Never. Yeah. That's why it's
3: gonna be good never wanted to go. And then somebody told me that. Somebody told me it's going to change your life a lot more than you think yeah. you're going to change it. Yeah, yeah. so it would it, like, be yeah. fun
1: when you get back just to sit with you. Yeah, just, you know, I would love to help you. Kind of process so a lot of times when people, you come back,
2: people don't even know what to ask you, so they'll be like, well, uh, what was the food like? <laughs> yeah. 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 Or something it's that. It's going to
1: change your life, ruin your life. You
2: know, <laughs> all, all mess, it'll mess like yeah. all these things you take for granted, yeah. and you realize it's just an American
1: thing. In about a week, you'll realize these people are amazing. Yeah. You're drawn to them. Yeah. And you got to tell them to buy. And that, you know, it's like, man, I wish I could just, these people are just, they're they yeah. draw you you. You'll get a whole new family. Yeah. yeah, really, that's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a hell of a man. It's going to be amazing, man. Yeah. And there'll be, be parts nice. of it like that.
3: my homeboy went last year and um, it changed his life Um, he was like I gotta he said just the way he just viewed life in America period he said just just changed him he was able to see he was able to see people walk he said
1: Spent a week or two weeks of money. Yep. Yeah. Getting yeah. 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 And the hospitality Strashing is the just,
0: just yeah. uh, it's like you don't wanna. Yeah. I I remember just recently a guy. I know, he just married a girl. I in Ethiopian. Yeah. And he was just telling me like you know they've been in the states like oh, they they she came from a family I think really big family bunch of kids. Yeah. And, and over there. Her father was a farmer, so she said he was really known. And she's like, you're rich if you have a bunch of kids. And she's like, so in my village, whatever, like, we were, like, considered rich. Then we moved to L.A. and all this other stuff and moved around. She's like, it was new because they're having a struggle and all this stuff. But they eventually got going and were doing well and, you know, move. And She was saying, um, she's like, yeah, my mom, you know, like, they were just talking about something that recently happened. She said, yeah, my mom went to go be with this lady for, like, a um, – a week or two, and and I, and, and her husband.